The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Well, good morning. Uh, we have, uh, before we uh, pray together and open the word for the message, we have some visitors on campus uh, as well. Uh, the university enjoys uh, some special relationships with other ministries and educational uh, endeavors uh, around the country, across the country and around the world. And there's one group here today from uh, the Carolinas, uh, the Vox Bivium group. Uh, they are, a, it's a gap year program. Uh, those students are members of the Karen family and are here today visiting to take a look at Karen to consider continuing on uh, with us, with you. So uh, are the Vox students here? Would you please stand? Thank you. We can say hi to you. Welcome to Cairn. Great to have you on campus this morning. So uh, let's uh, pray and, uh, and we will open the word. Father in heaven, we do indeed thank you for this day and each day that you give us. We thank you for all the gifts that we enjoy by your good and gracious hand. We thank you for the gift of life, for the gift of Christian fellowship, for the gift of our time together here this morning. Most importantly, we thank you for the gifts that are ours in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the freedom and privilege that we have to gather and to sing your praises as we've done this morning, to hear from your word and to contemplate your truth and the implications of it for the way we think and act and live. Father, we pray that you would cause us to never take for granted the gifts that come from you. We also pray, Father, that you would give us the grace and faith to rest in your promises. That even this morning, as we think of what it means to be fully devoted to you, that we might celebrate your grace in our lives in the midst of the blessings and in the midst of the challenges. As we come to the end of the semester, look towards the finish line of this first term of this year, we ask that you would grant our students grace and strength equal to the task at hand. We pray that you would strengthen them in their inner persons, that you would strengthen them in their faith, that you would... Give them what is required to care for one another and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We pray that you would make them an encouragement to one another. As we look to the holiday season in a time when we pause to be thankful, we ask, Father, that you would make us mindful that it is hard for some to find, to find a place to be grateful, to express gratitude and be thankful. We pray that we might put our arms around our brothers and sisters and encourage them that we are blessed and cared for beyond measure because we are your children and you are our God. This morning, Father, as we think about these truths in relationship to the expression of our own faith, and we assess our own commitment to being followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray that you would impress upon us anew the need to be devoted, wholly devoted to you, and to your ways, and to your purposes, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The passage of scripture that Dean Porcella read for you uh, from 1 Kings really does just that. What Solomon is doing is in an act of worship calling the people to remember that they are to be fully devoted to the Lord. This morning I do want to continue uh, our talks on bearing the marks we bear, the marks of Jesus, the marks we bear, and this morning I want to talk about the mark of devotion. I want to talk about the mark of devotion, not the mark of devotions. And I think that it's an important distinction to make. And so I want to challenge our thinking about what it means to assess our personal faith and walk with the Lord in light of this mark. And remember what we've been doing this semester is 
building on Paul's comments at the end of the book of Galatians, that he bears in his body the marks of Christ, the physical marks of being a servant of Jesus, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the hardships, but also he bears in his body the spiritual marks of Jesus. And the marks that we see in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul and others outline are marks and characteristics and qualities that we see in the very life of Jesus. We started looking at the mark of obedience and Paul's obedience to the Lord's will and the Lord's word and seeing that that is actually what Jesus came to do, to do the Father's will. We looked at the mark of forgiveness, the mark of selflessness, We look at these marks not just in terms of thinking about them as Christian principles, but the way they are to be born in our bodies, on our hearts and our minds, and manifest to those around us. But more importantly, what I want us to do this term is to think about this as an opportunity to assess ourselves. Paul said, let a person examine themselves. We assess ourselves as followers of Jesus. If we do not bear these marks, then we have some serious issues. Last time we looked at the mark of compassion, I made the statement that if you're struggling and expressing or feeling compassion for others, it's time for some serious soul searching. So this morning, what I want to do is look at this mark of devotion. Because when we talk about bearing the mark of devotion as Christians, we are talking about our dedication to, our enthusiasm for, and our commitment to the Lord and His ways and His purposes. And I would like you to hear this right up front. Make no mistake Devotion and devotions are two different things. If we're devoted, we will want to spend time with the one we love, but checking the boxes in the morning or evening is not enough. He wants our loyalty. He wants our energy. He wants our heart. The Lord wants us to be wholly devoted to him, not just carrying out devotions. And we know this is true. It's a great word. Uh, The word actually comes from uh, the, the root word is actually built on this idea of being consecrated to be dedicated to a divine purpose. We know this as being enthusiastic or loyal or committed to something. You are devoted to certain things. We know that there are things in our lives that we're devoted to that don't rise to the level of our devotion to the Lord. Some of you are on athletic teams. You're devoted to your sport. You're devoted to your team. Some of you are involved in other groups and clubs and ensembles. You're devoted to your families. You're devoted to your church. But none of that should be confused with our devotion to the Lord. We are to be devoted to certain things, and the Scripture is pretty clear. And Paul, in many cases in the New Testament, tells the Christians of the early church what they should be devoted to. He tells them in Colossians chapter 4, they're to be devoted to prayer, always praying, constantly in thanksgiving. Paul tells his student Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 that he's to be devoted to the public reading of Scripture. We're to be devoted to one another, the Bible says. We're to be devoted to to many things as Christians. We're to be devoted to one another, but nothing more importantly than our devotion to the Lord. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is actually dealing with a rather tricky set of teachings around the issue of marriage, one of the things that he warns people about who are in the midst of of a betrothal situation or looking at marriage, he's warning that we would stay focused, that we would not be confused or lose sight or or lose our way in being devoted to God. Even in the midst of the blessing of marriage and the consecration of that special relationship, Paul says, even in that, you're devoted to one another, but don't allow yourself to be confused and distracted from being wholly devoted to the Lord. The Bible is replete with this kind of teaching. God wants his people to be people who are marked by devotion to him. This is what 
was read this morning in First Kings. The king is saying to the people at the end of all of it, I, our prayer is that we would be wholly devoted to God, keeping his statutes. So it stands to reason that this is a mark we should bear as his followers. We should feel some sense of devotion, and our lives should be marked by it, not in just the sense that we claim to be devoted, but there's actually a way of recognizing that level of devotion, that we sense that kind of devotion, that we think about it, that we feel it, that we're committed to it, that we are loyal and enthusiastic and committed to the Lord, that he has no question that we want to be his, and we want him to be ours. That should be the thing that marks our life. Now, it isn't like there aren't situations and trials and circumstances that crowd in that make us feel more or less devoted at particular times. I think this is the lesson of Job. I think that he's struggling with his, with his ailments and with the hardships and adversities that he's facing. He's lost everything, and yet what does he do? Constantly call himself back to faith and obedience and devotion to God, who is gracious even in the midst of this, even when his wife says to him, curse God and die, you wretched man. No, no, I know that my Redeemer lives. This is the way we're supposed to live, no matter what is going on, no matter whether we feel devoted or not, we remain committed and loyal and enthusiastic to God and to his son, Jesus Christ. Because as we sang this morning, we have been set free from death and sin and the penalty of sin. We are free, we are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are promised eternal life. This is the God we serve, and that God wants our devotion. He wants our devotion. It is not something that oppresses us. It is something, rather, that sets us free. And so I'd like to focus our attention this morning on a verse in the Gospels, as we've been doing, looking at these marks, the marks we bear, and what the Apostle Paul has to say as he testified to bearing the marks of Jesus, the physical marks, the spiritual marks, looking at other passages of Scripture, like the First Kings passage that teaches this, but zeroing in on the person and work and teaching of the Lord Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there, There's a passage of Scripture that outlines this, and I will be reading from my normal Bible, the ESV, because it actually uses the word devotion, which is convenient. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is dispensing great spiritual truth and great spiritual wisdom to the folks that are gathered to hear him. You're familiar with this. Jesus' teaching begins with the Beatitudes he talks about the fulfillment of the law. He talks about lust and, di- and divorce. He talks about loving our neighbors. He talks about giving to the needy. He teaches us how to pray. He talks about fasting. He talks about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in. He talks about these things, and at, the, at, at a certain point in chapter 6 in this sermon, He inserts this statement, which gets at what I want to share this morning. He talks about the eye being the lamp of the body in verse 22 and the importance of being careful what we look at. Then in verse 24, he delivers something that is a bit of a hard one to take, I would think. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is not an anti-money or anti-wealth teaching. 
It is, it is, in essence, a teaching about the things to which we are devoted. I think this would have been a hard thing for people to hear because Jesus zeroes in on something that is fundamental to our existence. Things have not changed all that much. The world is still dependent on this. You, you have to earn some sort of income to be able to purchase the things you need to live and to thrive. Even in the most uh, uh, desolate of places in the world, there's still an exchange of goods and services so that you can acquire for yourselves the things you need to live. And so this hasn't changed throughout time. When Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money, it must have been a very hard thing for people to see. Wait a second, I need money. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying you don't need money, although he does tell the rich man he should sell everything he has. And there are times and places where we have to be willing to give all that up. But the real issue here is Jesus is saying you cannot commit yourself to two purposes. You cannot devote yourself to two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You must choose. You must choose. And he lays out a very clear principle. Because if you do not choose and you decide that you are going to serve two masters, you will find yourself doing doing something. You will hate one and love the other or despise one and be devoted to the other. And the one which you love and the one to which you are devoted is the one that matters most. So what Jesus is saying here isn't you can't have money or want to, to sort of earn money or to, to, to acquire these things. He's saying you cannot serve it. It cannot be the purpose for which you exist. What Solomon is telling the people at the end of this prayer is you have to be wholly devoted to the Lord. We have to be singular in focus, not to be the most prominent and powerful nation in the world, to serve the Lord. We must commit ourselves wholly to that. The issue here is Jesus is picking something very practical to zero in on. Very practical. I would think that it's particularly a powerful illustration and thing to zero in on because of the state of affairs there. It's an occupied territory. There is clearly economic uh, implications for the occupation of, of the Roman forces in that land. And Jesus is zeroing in on something that must have been very difficult for them to take. But the lesson here is that we must make no mistake. We have to choose whom we will serve, to what we are devoted when Jesus warns us in the Sermon on the Mount about not being able to serve two masters, he's zeroing in on the issue of devotion because we will despise one and we are not devoted to it. We will despise the one to whom we are not devoted. It should be somewhat confronting because we live in a world that is full of distractions. In fact, when Paul is actually talking in that 1 Corinthians passage around marriage, he actually gives this idea. I don't, we, we don't want you to be distracted regarding your devotion to the Lord. There are many things in our life and in our world that vie for our attention. But not just vie for our attention in terms of where we turn our eyes. Vie for the attention and affection of our heart. Vie for our devotion. That pull us away. And sometimes those are very practical things. When I think of this verse where Jesus says, you can't serve two masters, you have to choose, because in the end, you'll hate one and love the other or be, despise the one and be devoted to the other, and it's really important that you get it right. And I think, well, this is Jesus' teaching, but how does this mark bear out in Jesus' own life? It's born out in the temptation in the wilderness, because Satan tempted Jesus right along these lines. And the very thing that Jesus did was say what? You shall love the Lord your God, and you shall serve him only. 
He quotes back the scripture that Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness says, I am here to do the Father's bidding. I am here to accomplish his purpose. It's not just that I believe him and will obey him. I am wholly committed to it. I am devoted to it. From that root, I am consecrated to it. I am set apart for a divine purpose. Look, this university has been pushing the boundaries on our vocational training and degree offerings for a long time. I hope that you are committed to your professional line of work as a means of fulfilling your devotion to God, not as a replacement for it. What we're doing here is is committing ourselves to serve Jesus, to be more wholly devoted in our lives. Your career track, your professional track, your net worth, your relationships, they are not the divine purpose to which you dedicate your entire being. They are blessings that you get along the way and means by, by which the Lord chooses to use you to fulfill his purposes in your life. You dedicate yourself to him. You devote yourself to him. This is why I think the Bible uses that picture of of the wedding and marriage so powerfully. What are you doing in marriage? You're you're exchanging vows and devoting yourself to another person, that one person and no other. I will commit myself to you, forsaking all others. I will remain faithful to you in in richness and in poorness. I will remain faithful in sickness and in health, forsaking all others. That's the picture of the wedding and the marriage vow. That's the picture of the relationship with Jesus. I am wholly devoted to you, Lord. Now, that's a tall order to fill, not just because we have all the distractions of the world around us, but it seems at times a little bit difficult and a lot to expect. I mean, what is God really expecting from me? So what happens to us is we try to find these external markers. Well, I know that I'm devoted if I choose a school like this instead of a school like that. I mean, how tempted would it be to think all of you are fully and wholly devoted to the Lord because you committed yourself to 30 plus credit hours of Bible and theology? I mean, it's a self-selecting group. Make no mistake about it. You're all nuts. We're all nuts. But we're all nuts together because we're committed to the Lord's way and word. The issue is, though, just because we've committed ourselves to this doesn't mean we get a pass checking ourselves on whether we're fully committed to him. We are loyal and enthusiastic and devoted to the God of the Bible, not the Bible. We are fully and devoted to Christian community, but the Christ of the Christian community, not just to being together. These are an outworking of our life together, but we must be clear, we are wholly devoted to God. That's the calling. It's not just that things are vying for our attention. We tend to think these external things. Hey, look, I get up every morning at 6 to pray. Hey, that's great, and it shows a level of commitment, but are you devoted wholly to the Lord, or are you trying to check the box so that others will think you're devoted to the Lord, or you'll feel you're devoted to the Lord, or you're, hold, you're holding back something. Look, I give you that half hour in the morning. I want the rest of the day. God wants us to be fully devoted to him. And so the issue for us then is to be careful, not just about the things that distract us, but the temptation to set up external things that would replace the issue of being devoted You know, when my wife spoke in chapel earlier this year and we were talking about what she would do, this is the thing that we talk about. This is what we pray for you on a constant basis in our home and around the tables here, that you would be strengthened in your faith, strengthened in your confidence in the Lord, but that you would want to please him and want to commit more of your life to him, that you would want to turn it over, your life to his purposes, that you would devote yourselves to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We pray that for you on a daily basis. Now, the hard thing is when Jesus says here, you can't serve two masters because you'll, you'll, you'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. My question for you is, how do you assess your level of devotion to Christ? How, how would you use your time and energy? How would the use of your time and energy indicate your devotion? How would your speech and your prayers and your actions indicate your devotion? And how are the decisions that you make influenced by your devotion to the Lord? Those are the hard questions. The things that we're devoted to are the things that we commit our energy, our mental energy, our physical energy to. So while devotion should not be confused with devotions, if you are spending no time in the Word and no time praying, what are you devoted to? I promise you this, if, there's, if you've met another human being who spins your motor, you're devoting a lot of energy, time, and commitment to that person. I remember the summer I met my wife. I don't think I slept very much. I don't think I ate very much. I don't think I talked about anybody else. I think I was laser focused on my feelings for her and wanting to see that relationship proceed. We know what that level of commitment, you're devoted, you, you, you find yourself in a, with a team or in an event or an activity or a trip that you're committed to, you pour yourself into it. Brothers and sisters, we serve a risen Savior who has redeemed us from sin and purchased for us eternal life. What is the level of devotion that is exhibited in our lives towards Him? That is the level of devotion that God expects from us. Not a passing glance. Commitment. And so, on the practical note, you say, well, look, I'm busy. I'm a college student. My life is chaotic. I sleep two hours one night and 12 the next. I eat six meals this day and one the next. I have 12 friends this day and none the next. You know how that works in college. Your life is chaotic. It's an utter mess. There's nothing routine about your world. If you think we're sitting in our offices thinking, I don't know what they're complaining about. They've got it easy. No one thinks you have it easy, but you've got it easy. Right? Now's your opportunity. You, ha you have opportunities in your daily life. I was talking with students earlier this, just earlier this month about the issue of devotion. Don't. Look, some of you need to, to, you need to know yourself, what, you, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. But in your commitment to the Lord, you could actually say this. I have a New Testament class. Someone asked me, it's, they've been asking me this for 25 years around here. How do you keep the Bible from being a textbook? Because it's not a textbook. It's not that hard. It's the written word of God. You have to study it. But trust me, I've been teaching psychology a long time. My psych text looks nothing like the Bible. And the Bible looks nothing like my psych text. It's not a textbook. If you're in a New Testament class and you're required to read, guess what? Read. Meditate on that. You have been given a perfect opportunity to think on the things of the Lord and to allow your devotion to be kindled into a flame and fan because you're here in Christian community with a curriculum that is driven to pushing you spiritually, not just intellectually. You have all of these opportunities in your relationships. You have plenty of chances to talk with one another and to pray with one another. Do not fall victim to trying to keep a schedule. You are in an immersion program. Take full advantage of it. 
Let the devotion of your heart to the Lord be manifest in the way you spend your time and energy here and now. You've been given this task, this calling as students. It is chaotic. It is messy. But it's a tremendous opportunity, tremendous opportunity to assess your own commitment and devotion to the Lord and think about the ways in which that commitment is manifest. And think about the things that you need to bring to bear on your own personal spiritual walk to strengthen that. And if you're here today and you say, I am not devoted, and I don't think I want to be devoted, then all of us need to pray for you. Because if you have named the name of Jesus and placed your faith in him as your savior, you must devote yourself to him. Because that's the calling that is on all of us. He has given us the spirit which indwells every believer we're to be good stewards of that eternal gift. So now's the time to stop and ask yourselves and ask your friends and those around you, <clears throat> what will it take for us not to carry on devotions, but to carry out our lives in a more devoted way? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for this teaching that we cannot serve two masters. We pray, Father, for the grace to choose well and wisely, that we would fully commit ourselves to you and to your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Give us the grace to be wholly devoted. Give us the faith to believe you as a God of your word. And give us the strength to live our lives in this world with all of the distractions and temptations. Keep us from measuring our spiritual devotion by external measures. But, Father, give us the grace and strength to put into practice our devotion in measurable ways. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great weekend.